Hey, you. Yeah, you. You ever been to camp? Look at you. Of course you haven't. You're a wrestling fan. But Killian McMurphy and Big Dust are here to let you in on a little secret. You can go to Camp Leapfrog on IWTV. You looking for wrestling that's fun? Wrestling that's different? Wrestling that everyone's gonna love? Or are you just looking for Killian McMurphy to beat the snot out of some geek? That's Camp Leapfrog on IWTV. Tune in now, nerds. on nerds of wrestling and welcome to today's episode of what's up wrestler a podcast by nerds of wrestling it is your host justin del rio and my guest at this very time is the colossal mike law mike what is going on how are you today i'm excited to be here i got all this energy and maybe the over consumption of caffeine Hell yeah, man. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being able to do this, man. I really appreciate it. Anytime, man. I, I, love, I love to get on these podcasts, uh, you know, we plug away some stuff that we have going on here. I uh, want to thank the Fallout Shelter, of course, for uh, providing me this, uh, this like area far away from all humanity, uh, like somewhere in the, the bowels of Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love you said the, I love that, man. Uh, before we get to know more about Mike Law, drop those plugs, man. Where can those nerds find you? All right. Well, let's get the, at the barbell. My barbell actually has her own um, uh, Instagram and Twitter. You can follow her at the real barbell on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me, Colossal Mike Law. Very easy. All across the board at Colossal Mike Law. And then, uh, yeah, check out my storefrontier.com if you want to support. You could plug in on the search engine there, Colossal Mike Law, same thing with Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, both have shirts and merchandise available. Uh, I'm not actually wearing one of my own T-shirts. I'm wearing one of my compadre, uh, AJ Pan. It's a good fit on me. It makes me look bigger than I am. <laughs> I love it. Don't you worry, nerds. We will get those plugs again at the end. Mike, man, uh, though, for the nerds who don't really know who Mike Law is, tell the nerds who Mike Law is. So Mike Law is a almost 20-year veteran of, uh, of sports entertainment slash pro wrestling. Um, I started training in 1998 at 15 years old. And, and by training, I, I, I mean, I got my ass kicked a lot uh, coming up. You know, I was 110 pounds. I was 15 years old. Probably shouldn't be at that point in my life anywhere near the ring. And, uh, you know, it was definitely a school of hard knocks. I, I don't regret any of it. it. It definitely made me who I am today. Um, just one of those guys has been a journeyman, you know what I mean? Uh, everywhere from, you know, Canada to the Dominican Republic, uh, you know, countless states here in the United States as well. Um, everywhere from ECWA to, you know, Limitless Wrestling, um, done some stuff with Ring of Honor and, and WWE and NXT uh, on their lower end. But, uh, you know, just a guy who's just a journeyman, a guy who's been just blessed, I guess. To, to, to be able to do this for as long as I have and, you know, knock on wood, you know, not, not, not get anywhere near as injured as I should. 
<laughs> considering what you know the time frame we're talking about. But um, you know, I, I carry around my big barbell everywhere I go. Uh, you know, I, I I try to be one of those people that when you see me on a flyer or you see me at an event, just gives people the best quality bang for their buck. You know, and and, and in more ways than one, I want to be that larger than life persona that you talk about at the end of the night. You know, like um, just know that every time you see me, whether you pay a ticket or you watch me on you know uh, Title Match Network or IWTV, that you're getting your money's worth. To really step foot into the ring for the first time, you said at 15. Uh, uh, I'm, I, I'm uh, aging yourself a bit there. I was four in 1998, so uh, <laughs> you're you got you got a couple of years on me there. Uh, but wow! To, <laughs> oh, that's, that like I didn't feel old before, and I certainly don't feel old. But it does make me think that is a long time. I wow, four years old. How old are you, man? Like I have to. I'm, tw- I'm, tw- I'm 26. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm up there. <laughs> but you know what? And I tell people this. It's like, and I always think about it like this: like age is just a number, man. And you got just like if you treat your body and your mind right, um, you will progress with age. Not, I don't like the idea of getting older. You know what I mean? I always tell people like you're progressing with your age, and um, there's no reason that you know you're not. 50 60 70 and, and still rocking it man and i that's the way i feel you know um just it's, it's just not a number and I, I just don't i don't put that boundary on my on my on myself uh to think that oh you know i'm a certain age i gotta stop doing this or gotta right. not do this you know I, I just my body and my mind will tell me what to do and if it's right then i'll do it hell yeah man i mean hey uh, i love that mindset uh some wrestlers, who did you grow up watching, like idolizing at like 15 until you stepped foot into the ring? So, uh, uh, Dean Malenko, uh, without a doubt, you know what I mean? Um, he's one of those guys that I just, I saw like just from the, the, the in ring aspect, I was like, man, this guy's so fluid and, you know, he's just so crisp. But he could also like nail you too. Like, he was like, he was, he had that aggression about him. Um, Eddie Guerrero, uh, just all time great, in my opinion, uh, because, he could do it all. He could he could cut the promos. He could be a comedy guy, but he also could. Once the bell rang, he kind of just he could get in there. And he could go against anyone. And he had he just was so smooth. I remember him coming out to that theme back when he went in the Indies for that short period of time when he was away from the WWE, and he used that theme song. And I go, how appropriate. I mean, Eddie Guerrero <laughs> was smooth as fucking silk, man. It was just amazing. And um, you know, I think I had my off and on relation like kind of um mentality when it came to certain people but for me like Malenko and Guerrero as far as like what I kind of wanted a vision of what I would want to be as far as in ring and, and you know just with Guerrero was just the charisma you can't really teach that he just he just kind of progressed into that as as he realized how important it is here in the states um but like stylistically I love watching those guys and kind of put myself in that in those scenarios with, with the wrestling. Um, yeah, I would say those two, you know, more than, than anything. Uh, Benoit too. I mean, I know, you know, it's, it's kind of, maybe, maybe dynamite would be better because dynamite <laughs> was the predecessor to, to Benoit, but uh, I just love the aggression and, you know, like the intensity that those guys as wrestlers, you know, showcase, like they just, you know, dynamite just was, there was nothing ever like him. And, you know, he just transcended his time, you know, like if you saw the stuff that that guy was doing in the seventies and the eighties, it's like unreal. 
insane insane uh what really hooked you to what match hooked you to those wrestlers i know it's kind of like a, a like a hard question to answer but like is there like a certain match that like hooked you to eddie guerrero so with eddie i think not there wasn't a specific match i'll tell you this the match that hooked me on with milenko was him versus ray mysterio because i had never you see you gotta realize i was never a wcw nwa guy until much later i didn't realize how freaking amazing NWA Crockett promotion was until way later in life. And um, I, seeing Malenko versus uh, Rey Mysterio on Nitro for the first time in 96, I want to say, or 97 maybe, um, I was like blown away. You know, like those guys were obviously smaller guys. And I was like just watching them um, within the context of what we do just make it so believable and so, you know, authentic. Um, that blew my mind. I was like, these guys are smaller guys, small stature guys from the times that you know I grew up watching, but they could go in and, and just make it look so believable and so crisp. Um, with Eddie, I was there was never a match like you know I could talk about like, you know when him and our bar were teaming up in Mexico, but I wasn't following him. I followed him more towards the WCW latter part when he started becoming more of a heel, Eddie. And that's what, you know, because just the fact that he could, you, you could tell on his, by his facials what Eddie Guerrero you were getting. Like, he would come out and he'd have that look on his face. Oh, that's, that's going to be heel Eddie, you know what I mean? Like, he could do so much with so little. And it's something that people don't get, you know what I mean? Like, everyone wants to see so much, you know, more and more and more. But if you could take the little intricate things like, just the face, the look on someone's face, and like that can that delivers so much. I remember the promo he did. It was a feud against a program against Rey Mysterio, um, where he just sat in a chair with the lights dimmed. It was WWE. It was on SmackDown, and he was just staring at the mask, and that's all it was. And I just remember being blown away, just being like, "Dude, this guy just like I, I wasn't gonna turn away the channel for the fact that he wasn't speaking. I just the the looks that he was given that match was like so, in, man, it was blew my mind that someone could have that much power, you know, over an audience. Wasn't that, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that the storyline with uh, him and Dominic? Oh, <laughs> what, yeah, what, yeah. A lot, very controversial storyline. A lot of people were not fans of it. I loved it. I thought it was very cool. What were your thoughts on that? I, I Listen, and that's the thing with pro wrestling. I think the idea is that we have to also realize that pro wrestling is a genre of entertainment that, you know, I know, like, I think we kind of shot ourselves in the foot by introducing the reality era because I think sometimes people don't know how to separate the two, meaning, like, something like that where if you didn't like it and it wasn't your thing, I understand. If you were offended by it, it it's, it's, a, it's a TV show. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I don't want to, like, insult the mentality that I came up with and the mentality of those before me, but that's what it is. You know what I mean? And if you didn't like it, if it wasn't your thing, I could understand that. But if you weren't, if you were kind of like offended because it kind of implied things, um, it, you know, it's, a, it's within the context of pro wrestling, which, you know, I love how everyone likes to critique it and talk about how fake it is when, but when it's appropriate or when it's like against their agenda, right. You know, it's just, I personally, I enjoyed it because I'm a fan of Eddie Guerrero and I'm a huge fan of Rey Mysterio. He's another guy that earlier on, I try, you know, like 
I, I would emulate stuff like he would do, like Rana's springboards and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I God bless because the fact that he can do what he does for as long as he has done it with the level that he's done it at is unheard of. But I personally, you know, once I started seeing like I'm in the injuries pile up, I was like, oh, well, you know, I got to kind of like slow this down maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you, uh, you, uh, speaking of Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio was off the WWE for a while taking indie bookings. Uh, have you ever wrestled him? Have you ever seen him wrestle or wrestle the same show as he did? Yeah. I want to say one show. It was probably some random show in New York. I, 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 I've I, never wrestled. I mean, it would be like an honor, you know what I mean? He's somebody yeah. that I, I think anyone in the last 20, 30 years come up in the industry has to thank because he made it possible for a lot of us that weren't accepted for you know because oh you know like you're you're not you know every time especially when i was younger and i was coming up in the indies in the early 2000s you know it was kind of hard to say oh i'm a pro wrestler because one i wasn't i mean i'm 175 pounds now and you know i i I got myself to where i need to in terms of shape but um you know back then if you were if you weren't six two or six three and you weren't jacked to the gills or you weren't like huge um you know people like laugh at it you know or scoff at the idea like, oh you're, you're a pro wrestler like oh you don't look that big you know shit like that and um <laughs> there was a lot of that coming up but ray mysterio i think made it acceptable for smaller athletes to be considered on the same page as you know as, as anyone else so um if you if you know, in the last 20, 30 years, he's definitely one of the reasons that that's happened. I 100% agree with you. A lot of people, a lot of wrestling fans look up to Rey Mysterio and are Rey Mysterio is a lot of their favorite wrestlers. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, I met him in 20, I met him in 2017 and Mike, I was, I was freaking out. I was marking out. I was like going crazy. When I met him, I was like shaking, taking a picture of him. Greatest day ever. <laughs> but uh, he's amazing. Oh, dude, insane. Such a cool dude. Uh, tell us about your training. What was it like to step foot into the ring for the very first time? And I always go back to the story because it's it just shows like the type of person he is. But, uh, you know, the first person I ever locked up with was Homicide. Uh, oh, shit. Just one of the, you know, one of the unfounded heroes of not only independent wrestling, but pro wrestling and the New York scene. Like the guy just really transcended this whole thing and put New York back on the map. Um, and he's somebody I still look up to this day. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I got in the ring. I wasn't prepared. I shouldn't have been in the ring. And uh, I just got in there and, you know, he's like, work. And I didn't know what that meant. You know, I was like, like work what? I, you know what I mean? I just, I, this was my first time. Uh, he took care of me, man. And, and to be honest, it's one of those things where I'm grateful because I know that, especially back then, you know, like I was tested a lot. You know what I mean? Like I went from having one trainer um carl eagle morales who trained for a little bit and then he kind of dropped off and then i was just left to the to the wolves you know i was getting in there with people that probably weren't trained correctly um the promoter at the time would if he had any money he'd take it and here you go get in the ring you know and i was just taught never to back down from anybody so i got in the ring with everybody and you know in retrospect i put myself in some dangerous predicaments man like the ring back then the ring that I trained in was a ring from the seventies. So if anyone tells you it wasn't, and it wasn't a WWE ring, like WWE or WWF rings were hard, stiff rings. 
but so but those were actually professionally prepared these were this ring wasn't a ring that was manufactured by one of the more well-known companies this was a, a ring that was just put together and uh it was hard as hell and i look at the rings nowadays you know they're so much better they're better for longevity they're better for the idea that hey i can go in there and do this for 10 20 years and hopefully not break anything but at the same time i wish we had some of the old rings because that taught you to kind of grow callous to the idea of like i can learn on anything so it's funny because when people tell me that oh that ring is stiff i go no i i can <laughs> tell you a stiff ring like the rings today are, are just a lot more i guess safer and well put together but the ring that i trained in was was, was it was a backbreaker and um and I, you know, there were times that I was tested and that I was kind of, you know, roughed up a lot, uh, put in submission hold. And I, I, as a 15 year old kid, it wasn't, oh, you know, like, oh, you know, I felt bad or no, man. Like I knew that I had to prove myself. I knew that, I, that, you know, the guard, the old guard was not going to let me come in that easy. They weren't going to let anybody get in that easy. And, um, there were times where, you know, I got bloodied up. I got a busted lip. Um, you know, I guy, you know, I would get stiffed a lot, you know, and, and sometimes it just get, I guess taken advantage of, you know, by certain people, um, in the ring. Uh, but I fought back and I, I never quit. I never wanted to, like, I never, I knew what it was, I guess. And, um, I ended up going to a place later on called the doghouse. Uh, I only went to two training places, arena, Puerto Rico in 98. And then in 99 or 2000, I want to say, uh, the doghouse, which was run by Bobby Lombardi. And then one of my other trainers, Lathan, in uh, uh, low life, Louis Ramos, another guy I owe a lot to, um, always took care of me. Um, those guys kind of got me more uh, in tune with learning. I was just very ignorant and naive. And I wanted to kind of do my own thing. And I didn't I, I didn't listen to those guys as much as I should have. And I, and that's, if I were to regret anything, it was the idea that I didn't really, uh, like learn the style that those guys wanted me to, to, in order to progress and get better. I didn't get better until years later. I feel like a lot of people have that kind of mindset where you're like, Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. But in the long run, it kind of, it kind of works out. And it's it worked out. It worked its way out by luck, uh, uh, luck, and, and by stubbornness. I'm just a stubborn son of a bitch. I, I refuse to quit and give up. And um, unfortunately, some people didn't have that option. You know, a lot of the people that I came up with just uh, either burnt out or just realized that they weren't going to be able to hack it. And which is fine. You know, this, this isn't for everybody. Uh, as much right. as I truly believe that pro wrestling is, you know, is all inclusive, and that is that everyone that pro wrestling is for everyone. But the idea that everyone can be a pro wrestler, um, it's just not, it's just not the case. It, it just, I mean, it's not me being a bearer of bad news. It's just the reality of it. And I think that's what I was prepared. Like, I know they were physically tough on me in training, and the doghouse was no different. I mean, there were many a nights that you walked out there battered and bruised. But it was also, like, mentally, you know, like, are right. you going to be able to deal with the mental aspect of this? It seems like you went through like a lot of tough times, man, but you kept strong and kept going. What, how were you able to keep such a positive mindset that entire time? 
I, it wasn't always like that. Uh, I'll say this. I had a lot of doubt coming up. I wasted a lot of years. I wasted a lot of years. And that's one thing that I tell a lot of the trainees now, like, listen, like, I made a lot of mistakes in terms of not networking with the right people, not going to being stubborn in a bad sense with not opening my eyes to the idea like, hey, I can go here and get better and progress in my career. Um, that was on me and it's always going to be on me. Um, there was a lot of doubt as far as me wanting to be a pro wrestler in the early stages because I, I, I just felt like, okay, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm getting any better. Um, I don't look the part, you know what I mean? There was a lot of stuff that in like that I, pro I profess now because I didn't come up knowing this stuff. You know what I mean? I just stuff that I later learned and had to learn to survive and thrive in the business. And that's something that unfortunately I, you know, it wasn't, it was nothing on my trainers. They like, I think Loek Louie and, and I think Lathan uh, definitely try to push implement stuff in me. I was just too stubborn and I was kind of like getting my own head. And um, it wasn't always positive. I don't think I, I and this is Justin, I'm being as dead honest as I could be. I didn't start feeling confident until after 2015. Now realize I had stopped wrestling in 2012. I, I started doing promoting and started doing booking for FWE at that point. They went out of business in 2015 and then I came back to wrestling. Then I came back and I started you know, doing sh little shows here and there and getting bookings. And then from there, I didn't think, I, I don't think I found my confidence until like 2016, if that tells you anything. Like, wow. it, that's something that, it, with wrestling, it's weird, right? Because it's all about confidence. It's all about confidence. But the idea is that you can't be an egomaniac either because you'll get humbled. See, back when I came up, if some of these people walked into a locker room, the way that I've seen them come up, dude, it'd be a whole different ball game. They would, they would lose that shit quick. And I'm not saying that's just right or wrong. I'm just saying it's just a different era of how things are done. Um, and so I think a lot of that upbringing on my end kind of got in my head. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I want to be confident, but I don't want people to think I'm an egomaniac. But as you get older, you start to know that it's not about that. It's like, yo, I'm really freaking good at what I do. And I am a value to people and I am a value to the promotions. And I think that helped me on later on, you know, but I wasted a lot of years. I'm no doubt. Yeah. You know, like you turned it around and you seem like you're doing very well. Uh, this is a question that kind of dates back a bit. How long did it take you to finish training? And what was your first promotion that you got booked at? If you remember. So, you know, I always said people, I'm always learning. I'm still learning now, you know. <laughs> um, I think a student in the game will tell you that, you know. Uh, I, my first, I, I can't tell you when I, like, stopped training because, I, like I said, I always picked up stuff as I went along. But I right. will say my first pro match where I got paid was for, was in 2000, I think 2000, 2001. But it was for NWA over the top. I wrestled Sam Shields, um, who still looks phenomenal. And it was at a bar in uh, Burlington, New Jersey. I always pop every time I pass that, that sign because oh, that's where my first event ever, first like paid gig was. And, um, you know, that was in, what was it? So I started training in August of 98. So probably like two and a half years after the fact, you know what I mean? I Like we would do student showcases, like Doghouse did those. And so did 
the place I first started, but those were one, they weren't paid and two, they were kind of like underground. Like we, legally at that time, you couldn't really do those because <laughs> you had to have a license in the state of New York. And if they caught you, it was, you were in some deep shit. And they, they took that very seriously back then with the licensing. But um, I would say 2000, 2001. And then after that, I just started just working all these indies, you know, like just like different indies in different areas. I just wanted to get myself uh, acclimated, you know. Um, if you're coming into the business now, so much better. Right. <laughs> so much better. So much more systematic. Um, it, it's a lot easier to get looked at these days. I'll say that. You wrestled for so many places that I know of. Uh, I I watched your match with Steve Pena at Limitless. Uh, I know you wrestled for Limitless a few times. Great promotion. Right. Randy's such a good promoter. Uh, what was it like to wrestle for Limitless the first time? So the first time I wrestled for Limitless, I know they said return, and it was weird because I wrestled for Limitless. I, I don't know if they said or someone else did, but I had wrestled Davian at a fair show oh, that they did about no two shit. years ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that that... And I'm going to toot my own horn here. But that one got, I think, the second highest views out of all the, any Limitless. And correct, Randy, correct me. Like, message me in private. Don't don't tweet it <laughs> if I am incorrect. But I remember, like, that being the second highest viewed match in Limitless history against Davian, who is uh, very uh, fantastic. You know, she's such a hard worker. I, I really have utmost respect for her. Um, you know, kind of like – you know, I always come down hard on myself because I always say to myself, like, I'm never satisfied. You know, I look at myself in, in every which way, but, you know, like my R, like, you know, how represented, how, how my brand is being looking and, you know, what was I in shape or, you know, did I do this right? You know, like I'm a very, like, much like a perfectionist and, and almost a bad way. I'm like, you know, stuff that I like, people are like, oh, that, that was great, man. I'm like, yeah, I look like shit, you know, um, <laughs> or, or, you know, like, it's not a confidence. I know my level of, of, of confidence. It's just me looking at myself from a different perspective. And um, I, you know, I, we and Pena go in there and it's like, we we came up from that mentality of just like, just going in, you know what I mean? Like whether it's two people or 300 people. And it's like, we went in there with the mentality that's, you know, it's like, I respect you as a brother in the business, but, and I'm always going to, be safe, but I lay my shit in, you know, and, and he does too. So um, I think that translated well. Um, I know, like, as far as Limitless, I, I look forward to going back there uh, on a more recent basis with them. I, I enjoy their product. I, there's plenty of guys on that roster I would love to uh, go in the ring with and kind of test myself with because to me it's always a test. Like, can I keep up? Am I gonna, like – you know, within the boundaries of what we do, there's a competition. There's a competitive spirit um, that goes farther than what people see on, on video. You know, it's like that's my mentality. Like, you know, the Alec Prices of the world, Rip, you know, Bison, guys like that. Like, you know, I want to be able to go in there with anybody and deliver. And um, I wasn't satisfied with my match with Pena, but I, I don't think it was me, like, phoning it in, you know what I mean? Like, I I have looked at matches in the past, like, man, Mike, you, you, you know, and then people like, oh, but like, oh, well, that was a great effort, or you kicked ass. But I know me. I know, like, I know when I I haven't given it my all, even when it does look like I have. And I felt with that match with Pena, as hard-hitting as it was, I always felt like it could be better, you know? 
Hey, man, that nothing wrong with that at all. And I'm sure you're going to knock it out of the park next time. Uh, after this whole COVID thing is over, what are your goals, man? Where do you see Mike Locke? Um, I'd love to go to one of the national companies, man. I, I, I think my record speaks for itself. I think, you know, just my level of professionalism has always, you know, been something that I pride myself in and being able to go in there with anybody at any level, whether you're a beginner or somebody has been doing this for a while, somebody has been doing it longer than I have. Um, and just, just presenting like a value, not only to the, to the promoters, and the owners of the organization, but also to the fans, you know, um, I'm just waiting. Not that I'm waiting around, like not doing anything. I'm always active and trying to do something. You know, I can't just be one of the people who sit still, but I'm always like sending out feelers. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel like I got, I have a lot to give. I, I have no doubt in my mind that you put me up against anyone in any platform and I will absolutely kill it. And it, I, it'll never be to my loving. I like. I'll never be like. Oh, you know. There's only like a handful of matches where I'm like, I'm in love with it. I love it. Like <laughs> I remember with Anthony Gangone. If you guys ever watched Anthony me versus Anthony Gangone from Catalyst Wrestling, was one of my favorite matches I've ever had because it just it was a it was off heart. Like that match probably shortened both our careers by a few years. But you know, I was just very proud of it. You know what I mean? And like I can count on. A number, you know, a number of matches where I'm like, you know, I was in love with it. I married that match. But, like, because I'm always going to be my biggest critic. But at the same time, I always felt that no matter what, I always gave some people that something that I'm like, yo, that's why I want to pay to see this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not an internet darling with the sense that, like, the whole internet's, like, flopped over. I, I always tell people I feel like I'm a guilty pleasure because I always get mad people in the dms like yo i love your work man i love to see you and that's fine please i you know i'll take that all day but right. reach out to the company let them know like hey man like this is this dude is like legit you know and, exactly. and he's been doing his thing and um and he does have a, a a pretty good track record and um you know i'm a hard worker bro like i, I like whether i make it to a level that i know i'm capable of that's that's a lot of variables that sometimes you don't even have control over but i will never say hey the legacy that i didn't leave behind was something that i wasn't proud of i'll be proud of what i've done by the time i hang up the boots and call it a day i'll be proud of what i accomplished and what i contributed to the wrestling industry man like my passion and my love for the pro wrestling industry is as strong if not stronger today than when i first stepped in the ring in 1998. Holy shit, bro. You knocked that out of the park, man. I'm Bam. Bam. Grand slam. <laughs> I'm rooting for you like crazy, bro. Uh, I live in Connecticut. I don't know if you ever wrestled up here in Connecticut. I would hope to see yeah, you at Yeah, PAPW. Paul Romas. Oh, look at that. See, I didn't even know that. Look, I, and I went I went to a few of the shows before. Uh, I hope to see you at Northeast Wrestling sometime, you know, <clears throat> maybe one day. Uh, but anyway, Mike, man, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. Man, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it, man. Justin, anytime, dude. Thank you. Hell yeah. Really quick, uh, give some advice to some up-and-newcomer wrestlers who want to step foot in the square circle. Um, I know it sounds, like, very cliche because it's what it is, um, but, like, be attentive. Be attentive. Like, I know a lot of people feel like 
I have to get famous now. I have to get known. Like if I've, I've been training for six months, I'm a pro wrestler and I'm ready. You know, I know more than I you know. Like, believe me, that 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 will wear very quickly, um, especially when there are people who've done this for like short amount of times and they've got in a high level of success. It will happen. But I always say like, build your brand, like stay, be confident, but stay humble and just, just build value in what you do. Build value in not only the in-ring aspect because that's important, right? But the way you speak, the way you handle yourself professionally, showing up on time, helping out if you can. Uh, promoting the events that you on, you know, cutting promos, doing vignettes on days off because you want to establish to people that have never heard of you who you are, all that stuff. It, the, the wrestling paradigm has changed. And I think if you, you know, same adage, like, you know, sh shut your, your mouth, keep your eyes and ears open. And right. th that goes along that. But just if, if I could provide any type of, like advice, it just build build your brand and build your value, but do it in a way where it becomes undeniable. Like, you know, like no one could do what Colossal Mike Law can do. No one could do what, you know, um, Masha Slamovich, who's one of the trainers here at Fallout Shelter, with Steve Pena. Like be that individual that you're getting paid for your services and your ability because no one else can fill that spot. No one else can fill that void. And that is something I wish I had learned but it's something that uh yeah. that i would advise hell yeah great advice man i love that of long-winded <laughs> no it's great dude a lot of people need to hear it uh drop those plugs where can the nerds find you one last time nerds and and, and i'm not saying in, the, in a derogatory terms let's not let's get that twisted uh i, I love my nerds um <laughs> <laughs> we have the real barbell at the real barbell and that's uh the barbie that's uh my barbell uh she has <laughs> her own social media page oh separate for me i don't handle it or control it thankfully and then we have colossal mike law on instagram on twitter um you can go on store frontier buy a shirt buy a hoodie buy a tank top we have it all on storefrontier.com search colossal mike law and you can go to pro recipes as well there you go, nerds. This has been an episode of What's Up Wrestler, a podcast by Nerds of Wrestling. I am your host, Justin Del Rio. Peace out, nerds. Right there. And that concludes this episode on the Nerds of Wrestling podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe for more future episodes. I'm your host, Justin Del Rio. Peace out, nerds.